Do you ever think about utopia? Do you ever think about ethical dilemmas? Do you ever think about the other people on public transport? Do you ever think about the demise of civilization as we know it? listening to this episode welcome back so good to have you here again we just thought we would take the time to lay out a little bit of the format that you can come to expect from us here at do you ever think about and that is that every fourth episode so the one at the end of the month we'll be doing a bit of a cozy episode a relaxed episode a loungewear episode a little bit more touchable a little bit more tangible probably coupled with a few drinks so please pull up a seat unless you are operating heavy machinery at work or driving in which case wait till you get home you psycho and we're going to talk potatoes today so I hope you enjoy it Welcome to Do You Ever Think About? I'm one of your hosts, Merida Violet, and... I'm the other, Candace Jade, and it's very exciting because we're sitting in the same room. Oh my god! <laughs> no more Zoom recordings! Yes. <laughs> Thank you for everyone for being super patient with our... Um, technical difficulties trying to be smoothed out over virtual recording from different places and postcodes and working it all out. Hectic. We're, we're completely self-taught podcast, and so I find that we have really climbed some mountains with this, and we're just getting better by the day, but it's quite exciting to be face-to-face in the same room as we record, not only because it's a very exciting thing to be let out of our cages, but also because I feel the dynamic can be quite different when you're actually in the same room as the person you're speaking with. The air <laughs> is thick with potential. That's right. <laughs> you know what else it's thick with? Potatoes. Potatoes. <laughs> Seamless segue. Yes, that's right. As I as we sit here, I can smell a roasting pot just... <laughs> oh. And the sound of a phone. Um, that's okay. Um, we smell the roasting potatoes in the, refriger- in the refrigerator in the oven. But, quick side note, have you ever cooked in a dishwasher? Oh, not yet. It's really good and quite liberating. You can just get like uh, any white meat and vegetables, put like the seasoning on there, Chuck it in some aluminium foil. Make sure you double wrap it. Chuck it in there with the plates and it steams it. No way. So good. If, so if you don't have an oven, a kettle, a stovetop, a toaster, a fire. But you do have a dishwasher. You've got a hot meal. <laughs> I love this. This is like some sort of like new kind of like shabby chic way to like prepare your meals and only have a little bit of dishwashing soap in them. Plus, you get a hot plate for you to put it on. That's I right. Think. It is shabby. I bet you could boil a potato this way. <laughs> you could. It wouldn't be the best way to do potatoes. I've no. actually got a potato dish in the oven. Oh, yeah. Just, we're talking potatoes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. In case you hadn't gathered, um, today's topic is potatoes. Um, we thought that we would pick something a little bit um, less heavy and a little bit more starchy for this meal. Also something we're both very enthusiastic about. That's right. I absolutely think about potatoes. It's like one of the earliest foods I think I thought about. So really, <laughs> yeah. I think about them moderately. Yeah. Um, but 
I love them. <laughs> potatoes was like, well, fried potatoes, particularly French fried potatoes, has been a bonding shared food with my mom and I. Um, like since I was a little kid, like I can remember one of the one of the big like treat things that we would always get together would be like a little sneaky packet of Burger King, aka Hungry Jack's uh, chips, because they're much better than McDonald's chips in America. I beg to differ in Australia. I think McDonald's chips are better. You wait till these ones come out of the oven. Yep. You're going to love them. And you wait until I tell you that there's over 12,000 varieties. No, sorry. 1,200 varieties of potatoes in the world. I can't. Oh, my God. I was going to say, I can't wait till you tell me that. But now that it's happened, I don't even know how to feel. I'm really excited. Should we um, Should we go back to the beginning, though, and see? Let's start at the top with yep. a definition. Like our dictionary definition of potato is a noun. The plural of this word is potatoes with an O-E-S. And it is a plant with starchy tubers that is used as food. It comes from South American batata with a B for bread. But we're not talking about bread. We're talking about potatoes. Batata. Get your mind off the bread. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. European people, we love bread, but we're talking about potatoes today. Bread's for another day. That's potatoes. Right. Today is potato day. So that is the potato <laughs> definition. Right above potent and below potassium. <laughs> All very, you know, and potassium and potent could be ways that we do describe potatoes. It's how I describe well. them all the time. Absolutely. Um, well, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about potatoes? A picture of a potato. <laughs> I'm serious. Um, but it's like a very high resolution, gorgeous russet potato mm. from a double praised spread of the Age news weekend newspaper where they did a whole spread on potatoes about eight years ago. And oh. I was living in a share house. This is when you say potatoes. I'm yes. just giving you the honest Absolutely, answer. Absolutely, please. And it was this amazing picture of a potato that they'd put on there. And they'd done a whole spread of the historical value of potato. And I showed it to my friend who was my housemate as well. And she told me that she'd actually started a PPP club before like living with us, which is people pro potatoes. And what they would do for about six months was meet every Wednesday and drink vodka and everyone would bring a potato dish and they'd all sit around and talk about how good potatoes are. And I, for one, think that we should bring that back. Triple P for life. I love it. Yes. It's, it's, it's innovative. It's welcoming to everyone. I mean, what are, if you're gluten-free, have a potato. If you're dairy-free, have a potato. Just put oil instead of butter on it. Got it. If you're vegan, have a potato. Again, oil instead of butter. If you're vegetarian, once again, potatoes. What I love about like potatoes, not that I'm vegan or vegetarian or hold, hold any ill will against people who choose to have that as their diet, but I do love that the potato has become such a champion of them and being like, hey, you like vegan food? <laughs> that means French fries, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do have to say when they're um, cooked in lard, they Duck are tastier. Yeah, yeah, this is a personal view, but you know, an oily potato is delicious. A nice olive oily roasted potato. Ooh, can't go wrong. You're going to be very excited in 40 minutes when oh, this oven goes yes. <laughs> Well, we're, we're really on themed with this as well because we're sitting here drinking our um, vodka drinks as well, which I've just discovered a really delicious pre-mixed vodka peach iced tea thing. Yeah. We're not um, being sponsored by this. We're no, just really absolutely. excited. I'm not going to say the brand either. It's just something that I'm holding that you cannot see. And I'm drinking a sparkling water plus vodka with natural raspberry flavor with no added sugar. Oh, my God. And a picture of a whale. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> vodka comes from potatoes, in case you weren't aware of that. Oh, well, what's the first thing you think of when you think of potatoes? 
Well, I think I have a couple things because it's very uh, it's a very family food for me. Um, like I said, I have some very fond young memories of stopping off at Burger King on the way home from school with my mom when I was really young and getting a thing of Burger King fries and then like the whole time mom would be like, oh, we're so naughty. We're having fries. <laughs> we're so naughty. It's and such just, a shareable food. I know, exactly. Yeah. And I would just be like, oh, yeah, mom, I like the fries. Give us some more. Because that was the kind of kid I was. Um, but also, they now remind me of my sweet father as my parents have a huge yard and in their retirement, it's just solely devoted to gardening. Mm. And so every time I go home now, um, especially if it's in the summer in the U.S., my dad's always proudly spiking out, you know, fresh potatoes from their garden and eating them and um, enjoying them with a summer salad. Um, so I, I think of my parents when I think of potatoes, I guess. I also had a, um, a boyfriend once whose dad was a potato um, horticulturalist for a university um, so he like grew the potatoes for the people who were doing the agricultural science of like how to grow potatoes more efficiently whoa yeah so he had a lot of potato facts this guy I was going out with he had so many potato facts and he was a very pro he would have definitely been part of the PPP club I love yeah. it oh yeah. my god he's professor PPP yeah he is yeah absolutely his dad is like <laughs> professor PPP exactly yeah. <laughs> professor with a capital potato I love it <laughs> Yeah, he's 4P, actually. Yeah. Professor Pro Potato. Yeah, person. his name. And then you know how they have the letters at the end of it. It's like TTFN, PPPP. Yeah, exactly. Professional membership. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I guess, I guess the other thing I think about is the role they've played in Western civilization. Yeah, and they do have quite a prominent role. Believe it or not, the humble spud. Yes. Has had quite, um, has been quite a force well, in the tides of today. Well, I mean, I could, as, as I was doing research for this subject, um, because I, I could do nothing less than write a four-page book report is essentially what I did for this episode. And I wrote down the word potato under the word Kevin Smith. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we just have these different, differing angles. Um, but I found five things that... Um, that and, and across the research I was doing, five things that can be attributed to the potato, each one getting more and more quite like, it's like a big claim to say that the potato was responsible for this, but what well, were you going to say? Let's nut it out. Tell That's me. I'm very excited. <laughs> so apparently, we'll start off small. The potato um, is responsible for the rise in modern agriculture because when potatoes made it to Europe, that was the first time they started trying to um, mass produce in um, agriculture in an industrial way. Um, so sorry, not um, modern agriculture, industrial agriculture. Mm -hmm. um, so that the potato sort of hearkened that revolution, um, and because of that, the first wor the world's first intensive fertilizer. Um, which was Peruvian guano, a.k.a. bat poop. Guano. Mm -hmm. Came to Europe along with the potato. Was and it still called batata with a B back then, probably? It, the, so the word potato came from that word batata. So the Latin word for potato is solanum tuberosum, Ooh. which um, it's an actual potato has come from the nightshade family. I but Ipomea batatas, which is the sweet potato, um, and that's what the Inca people used to call potatoes, but the Europeans got confused. And so they thought sweet potatoes and potatoes were the same thing, but they're not. They're completely different. Like sweet potatoes are not even tubers. They are roots, whereas tubers are like grow off of roots. 
Really? Yes. It's something I, it's a new thing. New you thing we are, learned. Oh my God. I feel like I've been living a lie. Yes. Like, sweet potatoes and potatoes are completely different things. I've gone mental with sweet potatoes recently because mm. I've really been working on cutting out grains and doing all this stuff. Mm. So I've been doing a lot of sweet potato based uh, like baking or sweet mm. potato pancakes, which is just two ingredients. And Mind, mind I have mind. a hard time with sweet potatoes. Really? Maybe a hot take. Sweet potatoes are kind of gross. Disagree. <laughs> I've got to disagree with you, my friend. Um, not only is it a fun thing to call cute people, you sweet potato. <laughs> and maybe that's how I'll start changing your mind is I'm just going to casually call you a sweet potato Ooh, while sweet giving you potato. a little cuddle. Um, <laughs> and so you gradually become conditioned to realizing that it's the best thing Look, ever. I find it. I find them... In the way that pumpkin is just one of the most nauseating things I could think about putting in my mouth. Whoa. Sweet potatoes are a little bit better. I can do them when they aren't mushy and when they're really savory. But if someone cooks them trying to bring out the sweetness, please, I cannot hold back my g- gag reflex. I don't know. Okay. Well, um, heartily disagree. <laughs> but- <laughs> um, I didn't think I could disagree with anything more in my life. <laughs> No, I'm totally kidding. There's so many things I disagree with more, um, <laughs> but not many. Um, so do you, have you tried any of this crazy new age witch shit, which is like like making a chocolate cake out of sweet potato? Well, I've definitely – now, see, that is something I could probably do because it wouldn't have the flavor of the sweet potato. It's pretty much just using it as a, a, like a, a vessel – Kind of like a flower or yeah. anything. And it does bring out the sweetness, but it, because it's meant to be a exactly. sweet thing. Exactly, it's meant to be a sweet thing. Exactly. I think it's the like a big chunk of like roasted sweet potato. Oh my God, it's actually making me want to vomit right now. Really? About, like putting a big chunk of like roasted sweet potato or pumpkin. It makes me mouth. salivate. Both those things. Oh, Love it. Gross. Um, Maybe you just don't like orange things. I have don't. You- I actually don't. I have a, I have a weird, there's a problem. I have a problem with orange things. I don't like oranges. Okay. I don't like sweet potatoes. Hear me out because this is going to sound a little bit crazy. Could we feed it to you blindfolded? (laughs) (laughs) Pumpkin, you're never going to convince me that that is an edible food. You're from America. What do you mean? We don't eat it there. It's the fucking Halloween jack-o'-lantern. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. I've seen those pumpkins. It's weird. You don't know. Well, is that the pumpkin that you're basing all this on because that no 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 here in this country i we didn't we don't eat pumpkin in america really at all we eat some types of squash which i can deal with i can't do like an orange squash though but like here when you when i came here and they have those big green ones jack i don't know what they're called the big like they're like green on the outside and like orangey yellow on the inside like the the main the main pumpkin in this country whatever the like primary staple pumpkin is the fundamental pumpkin. The fundamental <laughs> pumpkin of us. Ah, yes. The one that's on the flag? Got it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, we've diverted. Look, orange things can be good, can be bad, mostly gross. The end. Um, no, not the end. I'm, I'm not going to go on it, about it for a long, long longer, but I am going to say that is not a shared or like pan view on this podcast. I, for one, stand by my orange brothers. Yes. <laughs> The views on this podcast do not represent the views of our advertisers. That's all I have to say. <laughs> or, or half the podcast. Or half the podcast, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So how did it affect the agricultural revolution? Well, yes. Okay, so modern industrial agriculture. Thank you, potato. Um, first intensive fertilizer being guano. Thank you, potato. 
Thank you. World's first pesticide, which was arsenic. <laughs> Great. Let's get that in the soil. Should have kept was... that one to yourself, potato. Exactly. Potato. And why was that? Because the Europeans had no sort of quarantine efforts when they brought things over from America. And so they brought over a whole bunch of beetles in their potato plants. And then they started to eat all of the things. And so they created all of these pesticides out of arsenic um, because the beetles that they also imported from America were attacking potato crops. Um, but... What you might not realize is that apparently potatoes are responsible for the rise of liberal capitalism Whoa. and also responsible um, for the rise of Western European colonial powers in general because they ended famines in Europe, which were a major feature of European life up until um, two things were discovered in the Americas, which were potato, but then the second, the second thing was corn, which was also brought over. And those two things in combination ended famines in Europe, apparently. Really? So, yeah. So, I mean, had they not discovered and basically um, stolen potatoes from the Inca people, um, you maybe wouldn't have had colonialism into Australia because that happened, like, after they had already discovered potatoes and started raising them in okay. Europe. Okay, okay, okay. Big, 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 big timeline. Can you break it down a little bit more because I'm, uh, like, a little bit more details. Stolen from the Inca people. Mm. Then what? How does it, like, oh. translate to... Oh, oh wait, I've, I've done... Oh, no, I'd like gonna... to go back to the beginning of the... <laughs> if we're going to do a deep dive on potatoes, let's fuck can hear it how is like if i'm here mm -hmm. sitting in this room mm -hmm. ultimately because of a spud i want to know you want to hear that journey all right so i want to hear that journey <laughs> all right well let me just um before we start with before we go into this i might just cite some of the sources that i used for this book report perfect and i'm just going to quickly shake the potatoes that are in Excellent. the oven so let's just have a pause and we'll cut this out wonderful okay perfect <laughs> all right so the potatoes are shook they're looking Fucking good. Getting golden. Getting golden crispy. Um, tell us. All tell right. us the journey from potato to us recording this now. From potato <laughs> to potato. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Now, you guys might be um, shocked to learn that I took this assignment as if it was some sort of high school book report um, that I had to do. So I, I had a few sources. Um, the first thing I read was How the Potato Changed the World by Smithson in Smithsonian Magazine by Charles C. Mann who incidentally also wrote a wonderful book that taught me so much about the America, history of the Americas before European settlers called 1491, New Revelations of the Americas Before Columbus. It's a wonderful book. I highly recommend it. Um, there is another article I read called, uh, it was a like academic article, If You Eat Their Food, dot, 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 Diets and Bodies in Early Colonial, Early Colonial Spanish America, published in the American Historical Review in June 2010. Um, another one I read was The Early History of the Potato in Europe, <laughs> which, was published it, which was published in Euphytica in 1993. I don't know, is that too old to be relevant anymore? I also only read the abstract. <laughs> okay. Full um, transparency here. <laughs> yes. Um, there is an article called Inca Food on the Discover Peru website, which is like the official Chamber of Commerce, like try to get people to come visit Peru website. Totally. Um, and then I read Sweet Potato. This is a little bit of a, a precursor to what the content will be later. Sweet Potato migrated to Polynesia thousands of years before people did, found in nature. How? You will learn. Okay. <laughs> it is a secret. Did it build um, some sort of raft? Because I'd love to know. And then finally, how the sweet potato crossed the Pacific way before Europeans did, um, which is an article in NPR from the 23rd of January, 2013. Well, now that I think about it, it is the perfect like transportation yes. food. Yes. 
bird bird poo has something to do with it. That's a little teaser for later in this episode. Ooh, <laughs> that makes it a delicacy. Exactly. Well, like, you know about that civet coffee? It's the same thing. Mm. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, what I find very fascinating about the history of potatoes before they were, quote unquote, discovered by Europeans um, was the that the story of the potato is also the story of American indigenous cultures and early colonialism. Mm-hmm. Who wouldn't be fascinated by that? I'm fucking riveted. No, keep going. Like, <laughs> <Okay>. For real. <laughs> Wild potatoes originated in the Andes Mountains and were domesticated by indigenous Andeans about 8,000 years ago. Andeans loved their roots and tubers, which included exciting species such as potatoes, yucca, manioc, sweet potatoes, which is not a potato, and oka, I'm not sure what that is, and I didn't look it up. That's your homework for later. Okay. <laughs> well, who doesn't love their roots, right? That's <laughs> Gotta get back to your roots. <laughs> Root vegetables were key to the Andean diet because the crops have the ability to grow in poor soil conditions and withstand freezing temperatures and store, and you can store them for a really long time for future consumption. Makes total sense. And they like, can grow in really harsh conditions. Exactly. And, yeah. and at high altitudes, which is apparently like a hard thing for some plants to grow at a high altitude. So like the, like imagine like, um, Oh, sorry. This is what I wrote. The Andes was rough, and I don't think we can appreciate how hard it would have been to grow and produce food at scale on the side of a 4,000-meter-plus mountain range during the Iron Age, question mark, maybe the Copper Age. I don't think it was the Stone well, Age. You know, well, like, yeah. <laughs> Possibly not the Stone Age. <laughs> Possibly not the Stone Age. But, like, but with people, like, what you don't kind of think about it much is, like, yeah, food... Um, and its ability to grow shapes about where the fuck we will be because like as people and therefore it does shape what kind of people we will be because obviously like we don't have that much population compared to say uh like as a species yeah there isn't as much uh spread out over really rocky mountaintops mm. mainly because because we can like you can't grow anything and, and because we don't have to live there anymore but like people people like lived in the andes for I guess for other reasons, but maybe not because it was a great place to grow food. Like maybe because it was like they were there for the potatoes. That's right. Well, they must have <laughs> they must have chased something up there. Um, now, what you probably didn't know is that domesticating potato- potatoes wasn't as easy as just picking out the fanciest wild potatoes and mass producing them, because wild varieties are actually poisonous. Really? Yes. They're laced with solanine and tomatine, which are toxic compounds found in wild potatoes, and they were believed to be defense mechanisms for the plants. Makes sense. Mm. Smart plants. Um, Yeah, we don't want you fucking around here, Mm -hmm. populating, eating my kids. Get out of this street. Um, (laughs) Get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. Get out of my tubers. Leave my kids alone. Um. So do we have any, uh, like, is that just in general? Wild potatoes are generally poisonous? poisonous? Yeah, so what they did was when they domesticated them, they, um, well, they did like a couple of things. Oh, yes, Candice? Thank you. Um, how does one identify a wild potato? That's a good question that I am not <laughs> sure. I'm not sure if, um, I think that because they've been domesticated so long, I'm not sure if wild potatoes exist anymore. That's what I was asking. Yeah. Is it just some like, yeah, just pop a little leather jacket on a spot and be like, that's a wild potato. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Feral potato. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you can spot a wild one because they've got tattoos that say "fuck you, dad" and a handlebar mustache. Yes. <laughs> These potatoes are wild. Yeah. You're in a toxic relationship with that wild potato. You need it to. It just out. makes me feel alive. <laughs> oh, that I wrote. 
Imagine being the guinea pig who had to test out the various incarnations of potato during the domestication process. Like, oh, maybe we've gotten out all the poison. Here, Jimmy, go test this out for the family. Incidentally, guinea pigs were also a staple of the Andean diet around this time. Really? Yes. Do they also grow where potatoes are? <laughs> yes. And, yeah, like legitimately. So guinea pigs. Is a guinea pig's natural habitat the harsh conditions yes. of the Andes? And guinea pigs are not domesticated animals. Like they came like that. What? They came out that cute and adorable. They are, of all the animals, the most potato-like that I can think um, of. Oh my God, yes. They, I didn't even think about it. I was just thinking about how cute their little butts are when they're squealing around. Cute is a strong word. Oh this my God, I love... If you're going to... Okay, if you're going to be against sweet potatoes, I'm going to be against guinea pigs. <laughs> okay, well, I, I raised guinea pigs when I was a kid, okay? Like, don't get me wrong. I don't want to slaughter them, but I <laughs> no, <can't. laughs> But I'm also going to say, there's cooler pets. A potato uh, would be it's great. It's hard for me to say that I agree with that because I really can't think of a pet that is better than a guinea pig other than maybe a dog. So much more <laughs> diplomatic than me where I'm just like, I'm going to straight up say that's fucked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's how I feel about sweet potatoes. It's how I feel about <laughs> guinea pigs. Let's agree to disagree. <laughs> anyway, so now we're getting into the part that everyone knows, you know, the, the, the part that we all know and love about potato history. Um, <laughs> My favorite part. <laughs> Centuries of domestication later, the Incan Empire is famous for having revolutionized agriculture in the Americas. The empire produced way more food than it consumed, and so trade routes developed throughout the Andes within and between South American nation states. Dominating these trade routes were were two of today's top five global crops, potatoes and corn. Yes. So, let's recap. So what happened? is they've domesticated them, then they start moving around because they're so goddamn good. Exactly. Yep. So, they're, so they're trading. So within all of the um, like Central and South American empires that were there, they had city-states. They had really developed trade routes. They had roads, like paved roads. And along these trade routes was basically, the, the, the foundation of these trade routes was the domestication of corn and potatoes, basically. Sweet. So that and was the driving roots. force of people being like, have you tried this fucking potato? It's awesome. I've exact- got to get this to the other village. Ex- and also like, oh, we've got gold. Well, you You've got potatoes and like we're going to learn how to grow potatoes from you and give you some of our gold from Mexico or something like that. So love it really fast. Again, once again, in that book by Charles Mann, 1491, you will learn all about the trade routes and like how fascinating and developed they were in before the colonists got there. It's like pretty incredible. Uh, There's like two million people in the Americas when the Spanish colonialists got there. Really? Yeah. And 90% 90% it's estimated that 90% of them were wiped out by smallpox and mm. um uh smallpox and something else maybe dysentery a lot of the diseases traveled before they even made contact with the Europeans so it was like someone would meet them on the sh- like someone would meet the Europeans on the shore like someone from one of the Inca tribes for example would meet the settlers pick up the disease bring it back to their community and then like a tradesperson like a merchant from that community would bring it somewhere else and by the time the settlers like the colonialists got to these further inland places they were already decimated by the european disease and so the spanish thought that they were like weakened that like they had no civilization because they were these just like dying weak people and so the, so the spanish were like oh look at them they're barbarians like they have nothing they have no trade they have no society when it's like no you fucker your fucking smallpox wiped them out like oh two months God. ago it's fascinating it's fascinating but yeah. we're like what asshole kind of stuff these amazing robust cultures and yeah. then like gets decimated by i think and then people walk in after the destruction and be like look at these lazy fucks yes exactly, like, all that's exactly lying down what... coughing all damn day <laughs> exactly. what is kind of culture is this exactly and a lot of that like led to this idea that um 
that the native or the indigenous cultures there were like weak and had like weak constitutions when it's like, well, no, it was actually just like viruses spread really fast. Yeah. As we're learning. As we're learning. <laughs> dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. History horror in real time. That's right. <laughs> History repeats. Anyway, so it was um, 1532 by the time the Spanish colonists discussed. I keep saying colonialists, but it is colonists. Do you know what it is? It's because that one time that I mispronounced it and then just banged on about it for ages, like relentlessly. You know what? Changing it. Fuck it. Let's evolve. I think that like colonist is a settler while as colonialist maybe is someone who supports the idea of colonialism. I like both work. And I like more using the word like to the tie of the word colon because they're both full of shit. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So let's move towards that. In the same way that I've also got to throw in this quickly, Mm -hmm. we need to give a quick shout out to our friend Beth's, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Petition socially that we should all start calling potatoes pachachas, (laughs) at least with the same sort of like regularity that we'd call it a spud. I like it. Yeah, pachacha. 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 Anyway. Got it. um, So... 1532, uh, Pizarro, who was a colonist, uh, dis- uh, an explorer of the uh, Spanish colonies, discovered, quote unquote, <laughs> and I wrote, is this a problematic term? Is it really a discovery if millions of people knew about it already? Or are we using this word in the same way someone would say, I just discovered this weird new TV show from the 80s? Should we find out what discovered means in the dictionary? Maybe we should. Let's, Let's just try. take a step, because I think it's really important to be clear on the language here. I, I really think that we can't say that people discovered something when there were millions of people living there and doing it already. To obtain sight or knowledge of, especially by searching or other effort. Or it's only the second, that's the first, um, well, fuck. Well, fuck me. Okay. So, <laughs> shit. I'm like, well, okay. So there's been a surprising turn of events thanks to the dictionary coming out. The first, um, the first and foremost, so like most used, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Definition mm. um, of discover is to obtain sight or knowledge of, especially by searching or other effort. But it's only the second that explains that you have to be the first to do it. So those motherfuckers got in on a technical loophole. Yes. <laughs> well, I don't know, though, because it, it's not, is it like it's new to you? You know, I mean, that's like saying like, oh, yeah, I just like got this new shirt. And it's like, well, it was from the op shop, but it's new to me. And but like, OK, I think that's where they got they got you. Yeah. Because they're yeah. saying discovered. And so they're like riding on the second um, definition. Technically, but they're like, oh, we meant it as the first. Anyway, thank you, dictionary. <laughs> yes. Once again, thank you. Um <laughs> So anyway, yeah, so Pizarro discovers them or maybe he just like finds out about them and then he be- and then within 3 decades, so within 3 decades of discovering them and I'll come back to what happened when they first were discovered. Um, they began exporting them first to the Spanish colonies in the Canary Islands, which is off the coast of Africa, and then to mainland Europe, and by the end of the 1500s they were being mass produced and that was like the foundation of like this new wave of industrial agriculture that was happening in Europe. And by the 1600s, which was when they started getting mass produced in Europe, and then they started getting exported to other places, like like in the other colonies in like Asia and in um, South America, oh, sorry, um, Africa, they became like so much a part of the diet of the people who lived in those countries that it was like, in the same way a lot of the foods from the, from North America and South America were like, you know, could you imagine like, Indian food or Chinese or Chinese food without chili. Well, mm. like all of that came from the Americas or like tomatoes, like Italian food without tomatoes. Well, that all came from Mexico. Yeah. So it was like none of that was there before. So like discovering the Americas for the colonists was like totally changed food. A jackpot, as yeah. it were. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
Well, that's insane to think of, really. Yeah. So that's the sort of like pre-Columbian history. Yeah. Um, but did you know that Christopher Columbus was afraid of potatoes when he first does that, encountered okay, them? Okay. When you say afraid, does that mean like his brother piffed him at him or somebody gr- like dressed up as a potato and jumped out of a cupboard at him when he was younger? <laughs> I think it's like one of those like fear be- fear of the unknown situations. Oh, uh, like a suspicion. Oh, like do you mean suspicion <laughs> thing or that whole thing like how people were against electricity or how I'm slightly against um, virtual reality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think it was like it was like the type of thing. It was like oh, different, bad, scary, mm. and apparently like a lot of the colonists. So Columbus was like quote-unquote, discovered America. Once again, two million people living there. Not sure if that's really a discovery. First definition of discovery. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. First (laughs) definition of discovery. Um, But apparently um, when they, one of the first things, okay, so this is from one of the academic articles that I read that like posits something that I'm not sure that I agree with, but it was basically saying that the early settlers were not, um, so much white supremacists as they were just like really scared of shit. And so, which like kind of makes some sense. And, 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 and this article was like kind of positing that it was, it was their anxiety about particularly their own bodily functions that led them to create categories like racial categories. So like, Basically, they landed there and they saw a bunch of people like eating different foods and their own people who were like the settlers who were like malnourished and had like a really high mortality rate and they kept getting really sick and dying. Columbus had to like go back to his financiers who was like the king and queen of Spain and be like, oh, like, don't worry, people are dying. But like as soon as we get (laughs) European food here, like they'll be okay. Like they're just dying because they have to eat the indigenous food here and they have to like breathe this like climate, which is like not good for the European composition. Or just like dying. I mean, they're doing it because they're fun. It's the new rage nowadays. It's like super (laughs) what young people are doing. No, don't don't worry. No, no, don't worry. We're still, we're going to be fine. We're going to explore. We're going to get all the gold. Like you don't have to worry about it. And as soon as you send over some wheat, everyone will be okay. Yeah, we just need wheat. Bitches need wheat. Just had to take a potato uh, break to get them out of the oven. Quick break. Quick break. Ready for this? Hear the crunch? Mm. Mm, mm. Mm. Is there anything better than a crispy potato? Mm. Those are delicious. Mm -hmm. Cocktail potatoes are the key to making Mm. quick, easy circles. (laughs) Yeah, potato (laughs) circles, you know. Mm. Chips, I guess. So, where were we? Well, okay, so I was... um, we were talking about how scared Columbus was of the indigenous diet and had attributed the settlers' malnourishment and high mortality rate to the lack of European foods in the new colonies um, and uh, how this anxiety about their mortality in the new world um, is said to have actually increased the settlers' obsessions with the physical differences between indigenous Americans and Europeans. That is very So it was kind of like they didn't really distinct... It wasn't like they went... Well, this is what this article is positing. Um, but that wasn't like they went there with this intention of being like, we're, we're supreme, we're Europeans, and we have supreme genes. It was like they got scared of how they were facing their own fragility and their own mortality and so then they had to like create this mental framework to sort of justify what they were doing I think like it was like a really interesting well because that's that's very interesting because I think I don't think that anybody well maybe a few special fucking 
psycho cases really set out with the intention of being like i want this to be bloodthirsty i want this to be psychotic Mm. i want this to be as like annihilation as possible i doubt the average sailor dude Mm. um would be thinking anywhere near that and but would be forced to kind of do some pretty crazy and horrific stuff Mm. that would have been so far removed from their weird whatever i don't know what merchants or peasants or anything did in that sort of day and so i imagine that you would need something to frame it and something to like sort of hang on to and that's not an excuse at all it's just interesting to think about the psychology of how you can end up doing those atrocities that you do exactly and like what was the and what the ironic thing about it is that like yeah diet diet was a, a central fact in the colonial endeavor and food played a fundamental role in structuring the european categories of like spaniard versus indian which is what they called the native americans mm-hmm. Um, but it's just ironic because like food, food did create those bodily differences. Like, yeah, of course you eat different things. Your body's going to form differently. Basically it just boils down to the Spanish colonial mission was to simultaneously make indigenous Americans like Europeans, but also keep them separate. Um, and it's quite paradoxical, you know, when you think about that, cause it's like, oh, what? So you want to, um, uh, you know, assimilate them but then also like not have them be part of your society but then when you think about it I'm like oh the potato is actually like really emblematic of that because with one hand the Spanish colonists were perpetrating some of their worst crimes against native South Americans who they viewed as barbaric and uncivilized Mm. but with the other hand they were capitalizing on what can only be described as an agricultural miracle by quickly exporting and propagating potatoes across Europe and then later in their colonies in Asia and Africa so it's like if the Incas were so uncivilized, why are you so obsessed with their agricultural innovations? Like, clearly, they were doing something right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that generally does seem to be uh, the way about the whole thing. It's yeah. like everyone just kind of puts down what they're trying to um, secretly poach for themselves. You know you know who else loves eating potatoes? Who? Polynesians. Oh, my God. Would you believe it? <laughs> Now, how did they find potatoes? Oh yeah, tell us how it's, they found potatoes. It's in dispute. You, this is a, this is one of history. This, <laughs> this is one of history's greatest mysteries. Not sure if that's true, but history mystery. It I is love it. Certainly something that is currently being debated by historians because I found two hot takes on this, which is that either so mm. when I first thought of potatoes, I thought. Okay, well, everyone, you know, everyone's going to talk about the Irish potato famine. Which, incidentally, is funny because they only had potatoes. (laughs) Once again, that saved them from famine. Mm. If they didn't have those potatoes imported, they would have been in total famine. Yeah. But it was just other things they didn't have. Anyway. So does that mean the potato famine? No, I don't want to say this. I'm going to say it. Um, (laughs) Does that mean the potato famine is shorthand for not as bad a famine as it could have been? I would say it's actually, yeah, it's like the potatoes saved us from famine. It's the gold star of famines. Yeah, yes. It's like, if you're going to have a famine, at least have some potatoes. Yeah. Also, we can thank, so, as I was going to say, we can thank potatoes for the Irish diaspora of the 18 or 1700s, whenever that was. What's diaspora? Diaspora is when a uh, nationality or an ethnic group of people um, leave where they originated from and spread out throughout the world, whether by choice, such as the Irish who chose to leave Ireland during the famine. To look for anything but potatoes. To look for anything but potatoes in different countries. And the other countries they went to were places like America, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, 
or unintentionally, such as um, the African diaspora, which is where they took enslaved Africans and brought them w- against their will to the Americas to work as slaves. Got it. Makes sense. Yeah. This is how we like further what doing the thing. And it yeah. makes total sense. As if you can like fully preserve, as much as a lot of people really try to, and that's no judgment, mm-hmm. but like a lot of people really try and preserve their homeland sort of culture, which is totally reasonable, especially if you've grown up mm. there and you really like you're really afraid of your parent, like your children, losing things that were really special to you and when it, you're growing up, and especially if you didn't leave there really by choice, like if you left because you Absolutely. had to leave, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's um, it's crazy to think with people like being so uh, absorbing of the mm. experiences around them, and like that's part of our weird sort of evolutionary um, advantage is that we are so adaptable to things that work around mm. us and also to our detriment. Mm. But it's impossible to think that you can put anything in one environment with other people and for it to not assimilate and morph mm. into whatever it is. And especially with food, when it's as easy as putting in another ingredient. Yes, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> or like you plant it in, like, which which is what happened with, um, <laughs> segue back into sweet potatoes. because because I went off. <laughs> no, but this is like very similar to what happened with sweet potatoes, which is like, I won't get into how they got to the South, South Pacific Islands yet, but basically... When the wild potato, like, went there, then then Polynesian people domesticated their own varieties of it. And so, like, we have specific um, sweet potatoes, like kumaras, for example. Is that a sweet potato? It's, it's a like, type of sweet potato. I didn't realize there were different types of sweet potato. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, like, I, I wish I had the numbers written down, but there was, like, a whole bunch of different varieties of sweet potatoes, and that became, like, its own variety that does not exist in the Andes where they originated from. It's, like, it became part of their own culture and part of their own, like, food culture. Flip it. Make it your own. Love it. Anyway, though. All right, I'm going to go back to this page because I – Wrote it out here. Yeah, no, no, please tell us. Um, please tell us about the sweet potato spreading its wild oats. It is thought that sweet potatoes also traverse the Pacific long before they traverse the Atlantic. I'm just imagining a sweet potato with muscular legs and one of those like hiking poles, stiff yes. upper lip, big beard. There we go. Off, off to the races. Garters, thick woolen socks. Loving That's it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> While many varieties of tubers and root vegetables were brought to Europe along the Colombian trade routes of the 15 to 1600s, as okay. we learned previously, tubers, tubers, indigenous Polynesians had already been enjoying sweet potatoes and taro and other roots for centuries. Mm. Historians apparently dispute how ipomea batatas, which is the sweet potato, batata. batatas, <laughs> made it to the South Pacific Islands and later to East Asia. Because also, as you know, in like Japanese food, like taro is something that's eaten in mm-hmm. Japan. Um, there's different sweet potato varieties in the Philippines. So clearly it migrated over there before European settlers got there. But how, Merida? But how? Well, it's in dispute because some claim that it was a natural process, either where the wind carried the seeds, because sweet potatoes do create seeds, whereas tubers do not. I think do that they? is the difference. Yeah, so a regular potato... The solaneum tuberum, um, all you have to do is cut off a chunk of it and you can plant the chunk and then it becomes a root system and then it grows. But sweet potatoes have flowers that have seeds that you can plant. Oh. Yes. Oh, yes. That's wow. the difference between a tuber, I guess, and a root. Yeah. Is that the tuber, you can actually plant the chunk of the root and yeah. it will grow. Um, 
invasive so, tubers. So, like, basically the two sort of natural ideas of um, how they traveled across the ocean was that either birds ate the seeds and then somehow held their poo across thousands of miles and one day finally shit it onto, like, Easter Island or something where there were Polynesian people already living. And then when they pooed it out, it was like, because a lot of times when seeds go through a bird's digestive tracts, it actually makes them germinate faster. It's actually well, good for them. That makes it like, well, because I'm wondering as well, does bird poo float? Well, it doesn't. But what they think could have happened is that the poo landed on a bit of debris. It and could. then it traveled. And that because apparently also sweet potato seeds <gasps> are not made innocuous by seawater which a lot of seeds are but they can survive being exposed to seawater oh my god i just realized something hard what which may not be true but i've realized it nonetheless you know that whole thing of being like when you get shot on by a bird and they say it's lucky oh and it's have you ever heard that They're like yeah, oh I it's good luck that. yeah I yeah have... yeah i didn't realize that it's not about your luck it's the bird poo's luck oh <laughs> And whatever seeds might be confined what within might it. Be in there? It's the luck of the seeds, really. Yeah. Because they found the vessel. The vessel that will trap and then you wipe it off you onto the ground and then it's born. It's not about you. Oh my god. <laughs> humans, so human centric. Yeah. Why are we not thinking of the birds? I know. Or the poo. Or the seeds in both like I didn't realize how lucky that poo was to land on my shoulder. It's actually incredible how much work bird poo does for us in terms of propagating seeds around this world. It's like Mm. nuts. And the kind of like even Mm. just like seeds on a like without the ocean involved sort of thing, Mm. where like a seeds journey during a terrain or a wind sort of experience. A wind experience. A wind experience being farted by nature from one side of the country to the other, thus like furthering a species and landing landing us eventually with sweet potato wedges. Candace Attenborough. Yes, Candace Attenborough. I was gonna say I wrote I wrote here, I was like I was like, I like the boop bird poo story because it's just so neat and tidy, but like it's really hard for me to believe that the birds actually held their poo for that long. But well I don't know because I'm not an anthropology expert, but I'm going to pretend bird. like I am one on the show. Yeah. Or, a or a bird. bird like they might not like how often do birds poop? And also, you're assuming that it pooped its whole load. Yeah, he could have just saved one, literally one small little dollop. It, it could have been, been constipated. Oh, it could have it could have been like lodged in their digestive it tract. Was all this, maybe that's even more magic of the seeds. They constipate Whoa. the animal sorry that they oh can fly. Well, I was going to say that maybe it was lodged in its digestive tract, causing it problems for the rest of its life, and then it finally died, and it was only when it decomposed that the seed lodged in its intestines finally was free to propagate. It's the perfect fertilizer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, self-fertilizing again. Potatoes are just like self-fertilizing roots. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's all it's all it's all under contention. Apparently, this this could have happened as far back as a hundred thousand years ago, and so I way have, before people were there. And I have no qualification in any situation to make any sort of calls. I read two articles about it this morning, so I'm essentially a PhD in it now. <laughs> I haven't even been shot on by a bird. I don't know why. I think I have the right to talk about this. <laughs> really, I've been shot on by birds so many times in my life <laughs> i can't remember i maybe i have i know i've slipped in chicken poop but i don't think it's oh the same God. because i was the i was you the alpha the, yeah, you, you, were the first, you were the thing in the wrong place i've been shot on by a bird in my own backyard like multiple times this year already i'm pretty sure it's apparently it's lucky for the seeds yeah, so must be. <laughs> really groundbreaking science it's really lucky for seeds <laughs> it's really lucky for seeds <laughs>
Anyway, I prefer the story that gives a bit more credit to the indigenous Polynesians who okay. traversed vast lengths of the Pacific by canoe. Um, all re- like they were already doing this, going to a place like New Zealand, Tonga, you know, Fiji. Just quick, Cyber, yeah. what yeah. Um, era are we looking at as well? Because was it a different terrain? Where were, or like, where was the sea levels? What did we have? Were they more, like, was it easier to traverse between islands? No, it was not that long ago. So we're Got talking it. about 1000 AD. So about, about So not 12... the 60s. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, not like, not like, um, not like BC times. We're talking about. About a thousand years ago, basically. So, but what was... So like, it wasn't that long ago. What was it, like, geologically, more, I mean. Like, geologically, were there a lot more islands exposed? Was it a lot easier to do? No, I don't think... I think that this was more... I don't, I don't think that that kind of stuff has been set in stone, I think, since about 13,000 years ago, because Ooh. that's when the last ice age ended. I'm fairly certain that we've had no shifts like that since back then. Can we double check? Yeah. Okay, so we checked, and we're fairly certain that the land has been the same since a thousand years ago. Yeah. Um, so I prefer the story that gives more credit to indigenous Polynesians who traversed vast lengths of the Pacific by canoe. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's really not that hard to believe that they actually made contact with indigenous South Americans way before Europeans did. And so this strain of thought of historians, um, uh, this was, this was most discussed in an article I read that was written in 2013, um, so I think it's pretty pretty up to date knowledge, um, but it's thought that Polynesians traded created trade routes with South America, specifically like in the Chile region, okay. um, because that's the part of the like they wouldn't have to go across the widest part of the Pacific Ocean; it's narrower there. So they believe that they came from like the um, like Fijian Islands and the, like uh, French Polynesia and New Zealand and across to like Chile. And um, through Easter Island, and that's how Easter Island got populated. Um, And so it's believed that they started trading. So Polynesians brought chickens, and South Americans gave them potatoes as early as 1000 AD, which is about 500 years before Europeans made contact. Which I find very fascinating. Um, And Carol Roulier, an evolutionary biologist at the Center for Functional and Evolutionary Ecology in France, said, (laughs) There's been many kinds of evidence, linguistic and architectural, sorry, linguistic and archaeological (laughs) for contact between these two people, but the sweet potato is the most compelling. So archaeologists have found prehistoric remnants of sweet potato in Polynesia from about 1000 AD to 1100 AD, according to radiocarbon dating. They've hypothesized that those ancient samples came from the western coast of South America, and among the clues, one Polynesian word for sweet potato, which is kumala, resembles kumara or kumal the words for vegetable in quechua which is the language spoken by the incan people of the andes and also not in this statement but i know this for a fact in new zealand the maori word for sweet potato is kumara i know that for a fact as well because i was stuck in the self-service island while i was visiting no island (laughs) i was visiting while i was visiting my brother and i couldn't find the fucking sweet potato because it was called a kumara Kumara, yeah (laughs) um okay so let's recap so what we've heard and what we've learned yep. is that uh, potatoes have been traveling around for a bit. Mm-hmm. It's disputed the exact um, way. It could be via bird poo. Yep. Being lucky as shit. Yeah, it could have been that they that that basically a hundred thousand years ago, a bird shit out the seed of a wild sweet potato, and Maybe then they multiple evo- birds, multiple yeah, probably multiple. I'm birds. gonna say probably <laughs> yeah. multiple birds, and then Polynesians domesticated them themselves, mm-hmm. or 
they were trading with South Americans the already domesticated food and adopted it into their culture. Um, I've just got two more sentences here, which are, who are these unsung heroes of the sweet potato traversing the chaotic waters of the Pacific in long canoes, bringing the starchy treasure to the tropical paradise upon which they land? Could this carbohydrate queen have provided the energy required to build the iconic and enigmatic statues on Easter Island? That's fucking beautiful. <laughs> I'm serious. That is some beautiful fucking sentences. I want that on a cross stitch. Well, that's the end of my book report, um, but I really kind of also wanted to know about the most delicious potato dishes I've ever had in your life. Oh, shit. Might have to think a bit on it, because I actually well, don't have an answer for this. But No, well, I think um, like the thing about potatoes, um, it's all merged into one because potatoes have the capacity to just be consistently delicious. Yeah, that's such a good point. It's like, yeah, it's really hard to fuck it up. How about a nice German potato salad? You know, the ones with like... Um, uh, is that a German potato? You know, where it's like got like the black olives and it's like um, doesn't have mayonnaise in it. Is I've that never. That sounds crazy to me. Salad? What the fuck is that? Maybe it's actually not a German potato salad. <laughs> I was gonna say it. Yeah, like are olives German? Yeah, no. Maybe I'm thinking of like an Italian potato. Salad. It does seem a bit more. <laughs> it's all these like um, uh, liquefied potato vodka. <laughs> it's all this vodka we've drunk. Anything else you want to say about potatoes? Got a hard on for a russet? <laughs> Pachachas? Spuds? Spuds? Well, look, I've just got to say that this has been a really amazing experience for me to take a deep dive into the history of um, a really interesting culture and really amazing um, colonial history behind the potato. <laughs> Can I just say one thing? Because we've done a lot of gush. Yeah. Starch gush. Mm. Um, and I want to take it back to the other side. Oh. Just just a quick little contrarian Candace corner, which are all C's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to say, poutine sucks. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to have to do a hard disagree with you there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, you know what? Okay, yes, gravy. Gravy's disgusting. So, yes, oh, no, no, no. I disagree with you there. Okay, no. Chips okay. and gravy's great. Chips, gravy, and cheese curd. Let's have a let's have a fight. Okay, all right. Well, I'm gonna say chips and cheese curd is delicious. Gravy is disgusting. What the fuck? Thanks, guys, for listening. Um, no, we need to tell them where to find us. Oh, We're not yeah. done yet. I keep forgetting that. Um, what is our number? Uh, I don't know. Um, so. If you have anything that you would like to share with us regarding potatoes, have you ever been hurt by a potato? Has one ever hurt your feelings? Have you ever been threatened with one like a weapon? Do you just really have a great dish that you'd like to say, like share with us or a fact about potatoes? Let us know at do you ever think about mail at gmail.com or the number which we're going to find and I'm going to cut out until we find it. Yeah. The number, should you want us to tell us anything about potatoes in any form or any way or just piff one at us get your phone out put in the number 0499 throw a potato in it'll be great <laughs> put a spun on the barbie <laughs> what hey thinkers thank you so much for supporting our show we would really appreciate it if you could hit follow and share with anyone that you think might enjoy it as well Big thanks to Someone for designing our graphics and Scotty Rudderman for uh, mixing our opening track with music from Frook. Once again, please write in your thoughts, your experiences and your stories. These are for our upcoming mini-sodes where we revisit the topics from your perspective. 
Our contact details again are do you ever think about mail at gmail.com or 0499 860 397. Till next time, keep thinking. <laughs>